0: Okay, Acts chapter 18, uh, I, we're going to read verses 1 through 17 this morning. And uh, I'm just going to ask you to help me read the uh, even verses through through 16, okay? And uh, we'll get down, we'll stop at verse 17. I'll start with verse 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads, I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. And when Gallio was the deputy of Achaia, the Jews made insurrection with one word, uh, one accord against Paul, and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, This fellow persuadeth men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was now about to open his mouth, Gallio said unto the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, O ye Jews, reason would that I should bear with you. But if it be a reason of words and names and of your law, look ye to it. For I will be no judge of such matters. And he drave them from the judgment seat. Then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the chief ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. And Gallio cared for none of those things. Father, I pray this morning that you would bless our time in the word. God, open our hearts now. Please, Lord. Allow there to be no distractions. Whatever's on our mind, I pray, God, that you'd put those things aside. And, uh, Lord, may your word minister to us. God, I, I, I'm just a man uh, who's been called to preach. And, uh, Lord, called to pastor Somerville Baptist Church. And my, my deepest desire and my heart, Lord, is for our church to be helped and grow in our relationship with you and with one another and i pray god that you would use the weakness of myself and overcome that with your spirit and just allow your word to minister to us today i pray this in the name of jesus amen maybe see him so i spent a lot of time studying this particular passage breaking down verses 1 through 18 and uh, last night, I was, as I, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you, Saturdays, um, as, as it gets closer to Saturday night, as a pastor, the pressure begins to build internally, and you know Sunday is coming, and you understand the responsibility that you have in ministering to people, and uh, you get to Saturday night, and uh, that, that, I would say, stress level begins to build and uh, all the way up to now. And even now, in, in, in your body, in my body, there's a shaking, there's a, there's a tension that is there. And it's increased even more when you feel like the Lord is leading you in a different direction as you're laying in bed. And you're staying up and you wake up in the middle of the night and it's still there. And you wake up in the morning and it's still there. And I want to preach the same passage but in a different direction from what I originally intended. So my notes this morning are sitting in the office because I just want to deliver to you what I feel God is leading me to this morning. I want to talk to you this morning about relationships. And I find that really I could go throughout the Bible and find that. But the Lord really just just pointed some things out to me and highlighted some things to me in this particular set of verses. That I want us to look at some things and realize the importance of the relationships that we have. Sometimes we take those things for granted. Sometimes we're introverted and we want fewer of them. But even introverts need people in their life. We all need people in our life. And they need to be valuable. We need to realize the value that they are. And there is a strong need especially in this day and time. And and we're even more aware of that, having lived through the the era of COVID, where we were uh, secluded, isolated, and not around people. And for a lot of us, we realized there was some value in slowing down. But we also recognize we need people in our life. And here in this particular chapter, I want to focus on the relationships as they as they show up here in Acts chapter eighteen. I want you to understand this. I want you to know that Christian and I love our church. We pray for you faithfully. We try occasionally to send you a text we're always sending out texts to someone and occasionally they reach around to you we love our church but we're only two people right I can't possibly minister to every need and sometimes that affects me because I want to be and I feel like I have I, 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 want, I don't have to be but I want to be in so many places at one time I really wanted to be at Guys and Guns yesterday, but I I got caught speeding. And I had to pay my fun, I had to pay my dues yesterday. But now my record is clean, I'll ha- be happy to say. I went to school and my record is thrown out, okay? And so all that's now behind me. I wanted to be there for that fellowship. I also wanted to come over to the great giveaway and visit with people in our community and And establish relationships there. But I am one to recognize this. The pastor has a great responsibility to the church. And and I believe, I, I heard an old preacher say years ago, I can't remember who it was. I remember reading it. That pastor, if you'll set your pulpit on fire, people will come to watch it burn. Meaning if you will be intentional to preach and study and be prepared and preach in such a way that it helps people, they will come. There's a responsibility in that. But I also recognize this. If relationships are not being built out in the pew, and it's, it's all dependent upon the relationship that you have with your pastor, it's not going to be be long-term and sustainable. You You need the people that you're sitting beside. You're sitting beside them for a reason. You need those people. Life groups are important not for the traditional Sunday school version of another opportunity to Bible study, although that is given. To me, they're very, very important because of the community that is built within them the people that you get to know, the relationships that are formed. And while you might not be able to reach out to the entire church about a prayer need, you can reach out to those select few. Well, I want you to see here in Acts 18 that even the Apostle Paul needed relationships. And whether you went with Paul or not, that was not going to determine whether or not he was going to be faithful to the Lord. You you. You may go with him, you may may turn your back on him, and he's stuck in a prison cell, and he says, everybody's left me. That doesn't mean he's going to deny Jesus Christ. He's going to keep going. But Paul is also a man, and he needed relationships, and there are people there in that community who also required those relationships. She starts out in verse 1, and it, it tells us that he departed Athens, and he came to Corinth. If you Google... I did this. I, I, I googled, how far is it from Athens to Corinth? And I discovered it was 116 miles as you travel from east to west. But that is Athens, Alabama to Corinth, Mississippi. That was not Paul's journey. That's just right up the road here, okay? It's really roughly around 50 to 60 miles. As you, uh, it depends on how he journeyed. If you Google that, they'll take you up the highway. If you walk, you have to take ferries to get you across the water. So it's roughly 50 to 60 miles. He's been making his journey. This is his second missionary journey. He winds that up in this particular chapter a few verses later. But as he's making this journey, he is now coming from Athens and he goes to Corinth. And he's by himself at this time. Silas and Timothy, they're still back in Berea. They are making their way to him. In chapter 17, he asks Silas and Timothy to come and join him. Then he gets stirred in the spirit and he preaches there on Mars Hill. And now he's made his way to Corinth. I imagine Paul was a hard one to keep up with. They'll eventually catch up to him in a few verses. But he gets here to Corinth and he finds a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy, with his wife Priscilla. There they are. This first time they show up, they show up later in the Bible in Romans chapter 16, verses 3 through 5. Paul says that they are helpers of him in the ministry. And they even had a church in their own house there in Rome. Paul speaks very highly of them, but this is their first meeting. He shows up to Corinth. He doesn't know a soul there. He runs into this couple. I imagine they have a conversation. I don't know exactly how they met. I often wonder, you know I think about the things that are not written in the Bible when it comes to individual conversations and how those things might have happened. I mean maybe they just met someone in the they met one another in the market i don 't know how it happened They found out they were obviously they found out that they they had the same trade they were tent makers so there 's this common thing. I love to talk construction work with people who are in construction because there's a common bond i can 't I cannot have a conversation with somebody who's in IT work because I don't know anything about that. So they're tent makers. That's an opportunity to have a conversation. Paul doesn't have a place to stay. Aquila and Priscilla, they've got a place, and so they welcome Paul to stay with them. Boy, that's a blessing, isn't it? Uh, he doesn't have to stay in the inn. There's an, there's an extra bed. There's an extra place, a pallet, something. Hey, why don't preacher, why don't you come and stay in our house? We don't know if Aquila and Priscilla are saved here. More than likely, they were. We don't know that for sure. The Bible doesn't say, but more than likely, they were. We do know this. They were in Rome for a while. They are, Aquila was a Jew. He was living in Rome. Emperor Claudius, the fourth emperor, the one before Nero, he has enough of the Jews. There's, we don't know exactly the reason. Well, there's some ideas of why, but Claudius says, that's enough, I want all the Jews to leave Rome. And so they've been pushed out of, out of Rome, and so they make their way down here, and they make their way to the seaport of Corinth, and what we know today is Greece, the area of Achaia. So there they are. They... They came there not knowing anyone. They see this guy, he doesn't know anyone. So hey, once you come stay at our house? I'm going to tell you something. If you live with somebody, you're probably going to build a relationship with them. Amen? It does say that Aquila was from Pontus. That's interesting. If you look in Acts chapter 2 and verse 9... You remember on the day of Pentecost when when the apostles were preaching and they were filled with the Spirit of God and there was a number of people there in Jerusalem and they heard the apostles speak in their own language. There's a list of different places. Pontus is there in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 9. I, I, I think about this. I wonder if Aquila knew somebody that was there that day. I wonder that. I wonder if he knew someone, maybe his daddy or his granddaddy was in Jerusalem. Maybe he was there, I don't know. But heard the gospel, heard Jesus Christ, and the gospel was brought back to Pontus, which is on the coast of the Black Sea there, northwest of Corinth. And and anyways, he's there. I imagine he's heard of Jesus Christ. I wonder how he came to know Jesus, I don't know. But he, no doubt he learned of Jesus through some sort of relationship. And he comes and he's there and so he invites, he invites Paul to stay in his house. I imagine that Aquila and Priscilla were happy to have someone like-minded with them who knew God on a personal level and could tell them, things about the Scriptures that they needed to know. People need relationships with individuals like that. People need relationships with individuals who can sit down with them and talk about the Lord and pray together with them and open up the Scriptures and and, and and be discipled, and to learn, and to grow. We're going to find out in the few verses after the ones we read that Aquila and Priscilla helped Apollos to learn some things. Because faithful men learn, and then they go and teach someone else who will learn and go and teach someone else. There is great value and importance and significance in having relationships with like-minded, God-fearing people. And even, even the preacher needs someone that he can just be able to sit back and rest and relax with. That he's got a place to lay down his head, and he's not always on edge, and he has a place where he can sit down and for just a little while not worry about the cares of the world and all the churches he can just sit back and relax a little bit in like-minded company. We all need relationships. We move on and we see Silas and Timothy. They, they arrive in verses five and six. Says so Silas and Timothy were, uh, were come from Macedonia. They finally get there. Boy, those are those are his closest, those are his closest partners in ministry right there. Silas and Timothy, I imagine, I don't care how manly you are, when the love of the Lord is there and you see another brother that you love, I imagine there's a big old bear hug at that moment. I can see them hugging one another. It's good to see you, Paul. Silas and Timothy, it is good to see you. I love you. I've been praying for you. It is so good that we're back together. And when those guys come, notice what it says next. It says that... Paul was pressed in the spirit to testify of Jesus Christ. I can promise you, as Paul has already proven, even if he is standing in the midst of idolatry and well-educated philosophy and all of these men who can speak eloquent words, Paul is going to stand up and he's going to preach Jesus Christ if it's only him. He's going to stand on the street corner and deliver the gospel. First time I ever did it. I, I did it, I did it twice. One time I was this crazy young preacher boy who, got a, who painted a sign that says on one side you must be born again and the other side it said, it said that the wages of sin is death. And I went into the small town of my community, sat at the, the intersection there, put that sign out. I couldn't street preach. I could not do that because it's just cars. There was nobody walking. And I stood there with my Bible held high as people drove by. And people stopped at the stop sign. And I did it by myself. Why? I just wanted to prove that I could do it. I just wanted to say, and I, I, I promise you this, as I was walking that corner, I would say, man up, preacher, man up. You can do this. And I stood there. And some people gave me the, some people gave me the thumbs up. And some people gave me the other finger. You know, they told me I was number one, BJ. Right? That's how I saw it. The other time I went to the city of Huntsville on the courthouse square where people were walking. And I stood there with gospel tracks and I was passing out gospel tracks. And when I first arrived there, I stood there for a moment and I, I got a little scared and I just walked around the block. And I came back to that point and I said, you drove all the way here to do this. Do this. And I stood there. You've got to be in a place in your Christian life that you will stand if nobody else will stand. Okay? But if you give me two or three more people with me, you're going to be much more courageous. Sometimes you just need somebody there who's got your back. Sometimes you just need somebody there who you know is praying for you. You just need them there. They don't have to say anything. They don't have to do anything. They just need to be there. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes you need people and you're in a difficult place and they don't have to have the most eloquent prayer or say the most important words you ever heard. You just need their presence. They just need to be there. Sometimes that text message comes at the most perfect time. Sometimes that phone call comes at the right time. Sometimes you knock on the door and it's at the right time. He's pressed in the spirit and he just had to stand up and he had to testify of Jesus Christ and how he did that. We're not going to take the time, but you ought to go to 1 Corinthians 2 verses 1 through 7 and how he preached during his time there. But unfortunately, the Jews, they listened to him. They didn't want anything to do with it. They rejected it. Paul says, your blood be upon your own heads. I'm clean. I'm going to, go to, I'm going to go to the Gentiles. Maybe they want to hear about it. I'm going to go to the next people. I'm going to go to the next door. And there we find Justice and Crispus in verses 7 and 8. It says, he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God whose house was joined hard to the synagogue. He left the synagogue, went next door. This is how I picture it. Hi, I'm the Apostle Paul. I don't think he would have said it that way. Hi, I'm Paul. I'm here to tell you about Jesus. Just cut to the short of it. He left one door, and they closed it and said, we don't want anything to do with Jesus. But Paul is just that type of guy, well, maybe the next door does. I already see this. There's already symbolism on the the door. You see it as you go up to the door, ask for me in my house, we'll serve the Lord. Amen. You see the cross. This person worships God. I don't know about their faith, but they worship God. Hi, I'm Paul. I just wonder if you happen to die today, would you, do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? Would you go to heaven? Justice invites him in, calls his friends. Here comes Crispus. Crispus is the chief ruler of the synagogue. Crispus enters the house. He is there. I'm thankful that Crispus had a friend named Justice who invited him. Are you with me? Relationships. He invites him. The Bible says that Crispus believed, and many of the Corinthians believed. You get over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I think it's verse 14. Paul mentions Crispus and Gaius. He says, out of all of you, he says, those are the only two that I baptized when I was there with you. Crispus and Gaius. Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue. The synagogue, the Jews say, I don't want anything to do with your Jesus. But the chief ruler there says, I want to know more about him. His buddy invites him to come, sits there. Crispus believes. Many others believe the greatest relationship you can have is with someone who cares about your soul. Can I get I don't get amen throughout this church right now? The greatest relationship you can have is someone that you know is praying for you and care about your relationship with God. And we ought to be that person for others, right? relationships are important. People matter to God. They ought to matter to us. They're important. Without the right relationships, Crispus isn't saved. He just follows the crowd that he's with. Without Paul Paul saying, you know what, they rejected, but maybe the next one, maybe the next one, maybe the next one. Someone who won't quit and give up. That's the kind of relationship you need to have with somebody. I want that person. They won't quit. They won't give up. They're going to keep going. They're going to keep praying. That person cares. You need people like that in your life, and we need to be those kind of people in others' lives. Well, Paul had a relationship with the Lord. Don't you think that one matters? Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision. The Lord shows up and the Lord speaks to him. There it is in red letters, isn't it? It's the Lord speaking. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. Man, if you want encouragement, find it in the word of God. Amen. Come on, wake up. Amen, preacher. If you want encouragement, find it from the word of God. And the Lord says... To Paul, don't be afraid. Speak and hold not thy peace. Don't get quiet with it. Joshua 1, 9, for me, have not I commanded thee? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Don't be afraid, Jesus said, the Lord says. Look, 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 verse 10. For I am with thee. And no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. Wouldn't you say that's a promise from God? That's a promise of God. So God just gave his word to Paul, gave his promise to Paul. That's something that he can hold his his hat on, he can hold on to. The Lord just tells me, don't be afraid, just go speak the truth, because I'm with you. If nobody else is with me, the Lord is with me. And what does it say? He says he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. He continued. He continued. Our relationship with the Lord is the most important relationship that we have. And when it is right with God, we will continue. Amen? Listen listen to me. Listen to me. When we get our eyes when Peter got his eyes off Jesus, what happened to him when he was on the water? He began to sink. When we get our eyes off people and we start focusing on everyone else and what they're doing wrong, or what they're doing right, when we look at what they're doing right, we get we start comparing ourselves with them, with, uh, with them, and we get discouraged. Or if they're doing wrong, then that discourages us. The Lord said, Paul, don't be afraid. I am with you. Keep doing what you know you're supposed to do. And the Bible says that he continued. How long? 18 months. He stayed there for quite a while. 18 months with those people. And built some great relationships there. Look at verse... Uh, look at well. When he's there for eighteen months, he's building relationships with the church. Then let's let's wrap this up. Verses twelve through sixteen. Here's some relationships with unbelievers. How about that? Say, preacher, we're supposed to be set apart. We are supposed to be set apart, but we're not to be secluded. So, what do you mean? Let's just see how it plays out here. Verse 12, trouble comes. It always finds Paul. Trouble comes. There's Gallio, who's the deputy of Achaia. Okay? He's the proconsul of the area at that time. He's the Roman official. The Jews, they made insurrection. They were unified in this purpose. They did it with one accord. They had a problem with Paul, and so they brought him to the judgment seat, the bema seat. The judgment seat there. There's a you can find a picture of it. I got it, but I didn't bring it to the service. It's a it's an area that is that, that still they they've uncovered it with the ruins of the ancient city there. It stands about seven and a half feet above the pavement. It's in the marketplace there Paul would have been delivered to Gallio, and he stood above all the people. and, And so they made their accusation to him. And they say in verse 13, this is their accusation, this fellow persuadeth men to worship God contrary to the law, according to their beliefs, the Jewish beliefs, right? And what we find throughout the Old Testament, he says, this fellow persuadeth men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was about to open his mouth and defend himself, he found out he didn't have to do it. Paul was about to defend himself, and Gallio interrupted him. And he put a stop to it without Paul even having to say a word. Now, why would he do that? Well, let's read. When Paul was now about to open his mouth, Gallio said unto the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, O oh ye Jews, reason would that I should bear with you. But if it be a question of words and names, and if your law look ye to it, I'll be no judge of such matters. And he draved them from the judgment seat. If Paul had a bad testimony, if he was a crook, if he was a thief, If he had a wicked testimony and the people could say, this is what Paul's done, Galileo. He is robbed from the marketplaces. He has done these things. He has an impure testimony. He says one thing, he lives another way. If he would have done that, Paul would have been in trouble. But his testimony was pure. Even amongst anyone who could accuse him, they could find no fault with him other than his relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That was the only fault. You look at Daniel, same way. You look out through the Bible, same way. The only thing that they could find wrong with Jesus was that he claimed to be God. Other than that, they had to get people to lie about him. Same way with Stephen. So here he is. A great testimony in the eyes of everyone. You just have, If you had a problem with him, it had to be his relationship with God through Christ. And Galio says, if that's the matter you're bringing before me, I don't want anything to do with it. You take care of that. But I really don't want to hear about it. And the truth is, as we're going to see in just a moment, Galileo had a problem with his accusers. He didn't like them. Hello? Your relationship every day, even amongst people who deny Christ and do, do... they disregard your invitation to church. The kids that you go to class with, some of you, who use God's name in vain and make you hesitant about inviting them to church or, or inviting them to Jesus Christ. They make you a little hesitant and you work with them as adults. All of them. Your relationship with them is important to how they see your God. Now I'm about to wrap up. Focus. Focus right here. You get to the last verse, verse 17. And the unbelieving Gentiles, the Greeks mentioned there, they grabbed the chief ruler, Sosthenes. Who was the chief ruler? It was Crispus, wasn't it? Crispus got saved. Now it's a guy named Sosthenes, and forgive me if I'm not pronouncing it right. And they grab Sosthenes and they take him from the judgment seat and they beat that man. They beat that man. And Gallio is up there and he just kind of shrugs his shoulders. I didn't see it happen. If I didn't see it, it didn't happen. They can do what they want to with a guy. I don't like him anyways. They beat that guy. Now, why is that important? I'm going to admit to you that I'm going to take just a little bit of liberty here. Because I cannot be 100% sure. But would you turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 1? First Corinthians chapter one and verse number one. Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, and who is mentioned in verse one as his brother? Do you see him? I'm taking some liberty there. It could be a different Sosthenes. It could be. But doesn't it just sound just like God to do that? Now, how might that have happened? I can tell you how, it, how we know it has happened in some people's life. And I want you to consider this. And we're done. If it is the same Sosthenes, how did he go from an accuser of Paul to a man beaten to a man who becomes a brother in Christ? It just might be that Paul saw himself in Sosthenes, because it wasn't that long ago where Paul was the same guy. Anything contrary to Jesus Christ, anything contr- I'm sorry, anything that's, uh, yes, that's contrary to Christ he stood for. He wanted Jesus Christ's name removed from everything. Nobody could meet together, nobody worship, nobody come together in Christ. He wanted nothing of that until he met Jesus. He got saved, he got baptized, began to grow in the Word of God, began to got discipled, began to disciple, began to serve in the church of Antioch, got called in the ministry, sent out to be a missionary, a church planter. Here is he is on his second journey. That used to be me. And when we can see people like we used to be, to the point that we can show some compassion and some grace and some mercy, and we can say, but for the grace of God, I would still be that person. When we can see that individual, even if they accuse us, And even if they meant to harm us and to hurt us, and we recognize that is exactly what I used to do. But now I see him differently. And I see if God's grace can do this in my life, then God's grace can change his life. And so I'm going to go to him. Say, he just accused you. I know. But God loves him. God loves him just like he loved me. And I'm going to go to him and I'm going to love him. I'm going to heal his wounds. I'm going to wipe the blood from his brow. I'm going to take off the old bandages and put on fresh bandages. I'm going to pray for him. going to pray with him. I want him to know the true love of God that comes only from the Holy Spirit indwelling me. Hello? I ought to get amen all over this place. I'm just going to love him. I'm going to talk about how the Lord changed my life. I'm going to talk about how I know exactly how he feels because I, I was there. I know why you do what you do because I did it for the same reasons. I know that you even mean well because I meant well. I was doing it so I could go to heaven. But I realized Jesus is the only way. And I begin to develop a relationship with that guy. And the more that he sees that I genuinely care about him, the more the walls come down. And the more that he begins to open himself up and begins to ask questions. And begins seeking, why are you doing this? Why are you being so good to me? Why, why did you come all the way from Antioch to here and didn't know? Why would you do that? And that relationship begins to be formed. And before you know it, man, they're in church with you and they're praying, they're getting saved. And years later, you're saying, Man, y'all see Sosthenes. You tell him that I love him, that's my brother. God changed him. You know what the roaring lion wants to do? Separate. Separate. God likes to bring saved people together. We call it the local church. And in that local assembly, relationships are built. And you grow in the Lord. And you grow with one another. And you got a Silas and a Timothy who's there with you. One's praying. One's watching your back. You got one who's saying, preacher, come over to our house. I got a bunch of people that wants to talk to you. Because I've opened up my home so all people could gather together. I told you early in the year, one of my main prayers for our church this year is that we'd build relationships with one another. You'd get to know people that you don't already know. And you'd learn to love each other and support each other and help each other and be there for one another. Are you with me? The world does everything it can. When you leave this place, your life will do everything it can to separate you from one another. And to a point we have to do that. But in the twenty first century we are more connect we can be more connected than we've ever been. And there ought to be a genuineness in our relationship with God and with his people. Even when those, even for those that currently don't know Christ. Love them, Zach Moon. Build relationships with them. Let's see what God will do. Father, we bow our heads. We wrap things up this morning.